This is episode 141 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Evacuation Plan, How to Be Prepared to Leave Your Home, an interview with author and YouTuber John Theo, and herbal teas from medicinal gardens. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, uh, over on the Facebook group, John was kind of mentioning, like, hey, Todd, I, I think it'd be good if you suspended uh, reading some articles for a while and just talking about what's going on with your uh, what's going on in Houston and the Houston area and, and in reality there's there's not too much to, I, I wouldn't be able to fill up a whole podcast with that um, just because uh, it, it's still bad don't get me wrong but things are starting to get back to normal as far as the people that can get back to normal they're still flooded out, uh, you know. They're still flooded out homes. There's still uh, standing water in a lot of the where we were talking about, where like the reservoirs were uh, were releasing water. And you know, I just saw a post that uh, uh, lawyers were starting to sue. I mean, you can't. It's you know, either way, you can't. You're not going to win that one, right? Um, uh, somebody was saying that uh, homes were never supposed to be built around the area, but then homes were built up. And so, I mean, who are you going to, you know, are you going to sue the builders? Are you going to sue people who bought homes? Are you going to sue, uh, you know, the people who are running the reservoir, uh, you know, the, the, the Texas government? Um, because if they don't release water, then if that dam fails, it's going to be really, really bad. And so, I mean, you have stuff like that. Um, I did see an interview on Twitter where they were interviewing, I guess, a, a community that was kind of uh, surrounded by water, but they were actively patrolling and they were carrying, you know, they were armed and, and they were willing to shoot looters and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the guy, I think it was like CBS or something, was trying to get them to say, you know, what are you going to do if you encounter a looter? But the reality is that they hadn't encountered anybody. You know, they hadn't encountered any looters. Um, we're seeing signs, you know, pop up. People will post uh, signs on on social media. Looters will be shot, and you're seeing a bunch of those kinds of things. But you're not hearing um, you're not hearing any reports of people actually looting, which is great. It's not like uh, it, it's not like it was in Katrina, where I mean the you know the cameras were rolling and people were coming out of a you know of stores carrying TVs and stuff like that. Uh, that's not happening at all, and so uh, maybe people are just a little bit more proactive, and they've learned from Katrina, and they're not going to play around. I'm not saying that that's not happening. I'm not saying that there's not people out there taking advantage of people. I'm not saying that people are are not stealing and doing those kinds of things. Uh, you know, today we we went out and I got a little bit of gas, but my gas I got the alert on my uh, on my dashboard on my truck. That my fuel, that my gas tank wasn't, or the, you know, the the cover wasn't all the way on, and so I uh, stopped to go ahead and fill up. And uh, and it, let me let me say this: gas has risen 40 cents since all this has happened. Now, part of that was the holiday weekend, uh, the Labor Day weekend, and you know the news talked about that. Like, hey, the Labor Day weekend, normally gas prices go up. But I mean, we're talking about you know what a week out, and it's it's gone up 40 cents. Uh, plenty of gas. Uh, there was there wasn't 
the super unleaded and then the premium unleaded, but you had plenty of unleaded, didn't have any, any issues with that, and plenty of diesel. And so, uh, but when I went to go fill up, I, you know, it wasn't completely on. It was just kind of sitting there. So uh, it could have been that someone came and stole a couple of gallons of gas out of my truck. Uh, there's not a, I don't have a key like, you know, lock on it. Uh, but uh, so it's very, very possible that that is happening. I would have noticed one or two gallons, uh, you know, gone from uh, my fuel gauge or whatever. Uh, but it's just, you know, I know that I always, you know, lock down my my fuel cap when I uh, I torque it down really well. So I know, uh, you know, that's possible. That was possible. It could have been the neighbor kids too, you know, playing around and messing around. So uh, you know you you have that aspect of it. You know we I did go to this grocery store. To, I needed to pick up some distilled water, uh, and um, uh, did find eggs. I, I wanted to go buy the eggs and just see what it was. It was a brand that's never that I've never seen there before, but they had plenty of eggs. Uh, one thing that I did notice uh, is that uh, my neighbor, my elderly neighbor, called me over and asked for some help. Um, and then so I went and helped her outside and then I was talking with my other neighbor across the street and the mosquitoes are out in force. Uh, and so, you know, they, they did talk about that happening uh, about a week after the storm with all the water that we've had. We're going to we're going to start experience mosquitoes. And uh, I mean, that, they just suck. I noticed that when I went to the store that they already had, you know, like a, a whole big section of mosquito spray and off and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you wanted to use that. So we're going to go ahead and, and uh, you know, be dealing with that for a while. But I don't really have, I can't really fill up a whole podcast on, on that right now. So I, I thought that as, uh, as we go on, now again, don't get me wrong, there's, and I've talked about it before, there's devastation all up and down the coast. Uh, we still have big issues all over the place. But as far as firsthand knowledge, I, I did write my article and it's up on Ed That Matters. Uh, and it's gotten a lot of uh, hits, uh, you know, so you know, people are really sharing that one out. So I really appreciate that one. Uh, and I'll link to it again uh, on, the, on the mentioned in this po- podcast in the uh, episode show notes if you want to go check that one out. If you didn't get to check it out, that's just my observations and things that worked well and uh, things that I wish I would have had and uh, other things to, uh, to consider uh, or other things that, that went through my mind for Hurricane Harvey. So uh, you can go check that one out, but I wouldn't be able to fill up a whole podcast. But I thought I would take, uh, as I hear things, as I'm talking to people, uh, that I would bring those up at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I, I do want to switch a little bit over to uh, Irma, Hurricane Irma. One of the the trusted uh, weather people that, that I was really going to uh, during Harvey Someone had posted, uh, you know, there was a lot of sensational stuff. There's still a lot of sensational stuff right now with Irma. And uh, so this this uh, website was uh, a, a go-to one. I've mentioned it before. It's uh, Space City Weather, um, spacecityweather.com. And because of uh, just, you know, people wanting to know, and I think they've gotten a lot of traffic through Hurricane Harvey, and people are wanting to know uh, more about their analysis with uh, with Irma, uh, so they've decided to go because they've pretty much focused on the Houston area, but they are going to be talking about Irma just because there's so much interest in it. Interest in it, and right now they're they're looking at three specific tracks, and like again, these guys aren't s- sensational. Um, you know, they're they're pretty 
pretty good with their analysis. And so I was really started to uh, follow them almost. I was, I was hitting their website because they were doing multiple updates every single, every single day during Harvey. And so I, I just wanted to read a couple of things to you because there's, a, there's three tracks here uh, that they're suggesting. And one of them is, well, one of the things that they're really, really, really saying here is that, well, let me, let me just read this. Uh, having looked at the forecast model guidance that has come out during the last two hours, uh, we can have pretty high confidence in the hurricanes track through about Friday when it will be in the vicinity of Turks, Caicos, a beautiful area which I hope survives the storm, and I, I'm, I'm assuming he hopes everybody survives the storm there, but I guess he has some uh, specific uh, interest in that one. After that, I want to highlight three possible scenarios, neither of which I have particularly high confidence in, as so many unanswered questions remain. When does Irma find the western periphery of the Atlantic high-pressure system and turn north? Does it turn northwest, due north, or northeast? And how much does the storm center interact with Cuba? All of these questions will have profound effects. So there's three different courses. The first one is the Cuba Gulf, and it's at about 35% uh, at the time of this writing. And this was written today at uh, on September 5th. Uh, and so those of you who don't know, I do record the, the podcast. So the Wednesday podcast is recorded Tuesday night. So this was uh, written on Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. Uh, so the Gulf Cuba track is about 35 percent. Says under this scenario, Irma travels further west before turning north and spends more time over Cuba. This obviously very is very bad for Cuba, but also should weaken the storm as the island has some mountains with elevations above one mile. This would bring a weaker storm into the eastern Gulf of Mexico, and thereafter the center might go anywhere from Pensacola to the Everglades in terms of a final landfall and move over much of Florida. If Irma were to spend much time over the eastern Gulf where water temperatures were unaffected by Hurricane Harvey, some restrengthening would be possible. The next scenario is Miami and that's at 35%. In terms of consequences, this scenario is the most catastrophic. Here Irma may remain over Cuba only briefly or not at all, allowing for a very strong major hurricane to move into the Florida Keys and then the Miami area. We might end up with a situation where the strongest winds and surge hit the lower Florida coast from Miami to West Palm Beach, some of the most valuable real estate in the country. Very, very bad. And then the third scenario is a near miss at 30%. In this case, the near miss refers to Florida but not the Bahamas. A decent chunk of both the GFS and European model ensembles holds to this scenario where Irma moves towards the Bahamas but makes a northern turn before reaching Florida. In this case, the mainland United States would remain on the side of the hurricane with lesser winds and storm surge. For the state of Florida, this scenario might still be bad for some areas, but the state would not avoid, would avoid a catastrophic blow. Uh, we'll have an update on Houston's weather and a new look at Irma's forecast early on Wednesday morning. So um, I'm going to link to that one uh, on in, in the show notes as well, so you can go to it. And if you're in the Florida or even on the East Coast, you can stay up to uh, up to date. 
Uh, I, I'm praying, I know a lot of people are praying that uh, we have that near miss, that it starts to turn and uh, it's not unheard of. Uh, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a true believer that God answers prayer, but uh, that, you know, that, that uh, trek could go north and then start pulling uh, northeast and, and pull away from the United States. And so, uh, you know, whatever it was, the, the dirty side of the, of the hurricane would stay, uh, you know, over the water. So um, a lot of people were seeing that this, if it did go straight up Florida, um, which would be so devastating, um, that, you know, one of the things is, you know, people are talking about being prepared. You might not want to just be prepared. You might want to go ahead and bug out in, in that scenario. Uh, I know that that is, um, you know, that's hard to do. Uh, I know for a lot of guys, guys don't want to leave. They want to be, you know, in their home. They want to, you know, be there to mitigate, uh, you know, as much as possible. And as soon as the storm's over, they want to be able to take care of anything. Um, but, you know, some people were talking about that if the storm does go straight up Florida, that you might want to instead bug out instead of uh, uh, sticking around. And so I, I don't know what the laws are in Florida. I know that in Texas, if you have a mandatory evacuation, um, it, it's you're still not for, you're not forced to evacuate. If you want to stay, uh, you can stay, but you're at your own risk. Uh, and uh, so there you go. A little earlier today on Twitter, I saw that the Virgin Islands, I saw this from uh, the Daily Caller, uh, dailycaller.com. It was uh, an article that said the Virgin Islands allows National Guards to seize guns, ammo ahead of Hurricane Irma. So, of course, I'm like, you know, like, what what the heck? <laughs> you know, why, why does that even come into play uh, in, in all of this? And so I dropped it on the Facebook group. And, uh, you know, some people were looking into it, uh, had, you know, other people like, yeah, that kind of looks legit. Uh, we did go over to the, uh, did go over to, to find in the article, you can click on the actual, uh, statement or whatever order that the government governor has put in place. And it does say, say that in order to fulfill their mission, that the National Guard, uh, you know, could uh, go ahead and, and uh, confiscate ammo and stuff like that. It's like, what kind of mission are they going to be on? Um, they did post in their Facebook group uh, or in their Facebook page, the government housed uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. They did say, uh, fellow Virgin Islanders, please be aware of the rumors and misperceptions that happen in an emergency situation. This and the VITEMA pages are official sources of information regarding the storm. Please advise that there is absolutely no effort to confiscate anyone's weapons. As a matter of law, when the National Guard is activated in an emergency situation, they are granted the power to seize weapons and other materials they deem necessary to carry out their mission. Such an order is executed every time the VI National Guard is activated. So anyway, and so there's a little bit more there. Um, well, let me finish it up just for those of you who, who are concerned or care. Anyone that says otherwise is simply trying to create confusion during what is already a very stressful time for us all. Those with concerns about this provision of the VI code should bring them to our lawmaking body following the storm. My only question, you know, of course, my, you know, my ears start tickling and my spidey senses go up. And why, why even have that there? You know, why even put, put that into it and allow that to be part of it? Um, does the National Guard not have weapons that they are, that they have, uh, you know, that are not available to them? Uh, is that the way that it goes? Uh, you know, I can understand if, you know, uh, 
you know, someone is popping off, you know, firearms and stuff and you've got to defend yourself. Uh, but are you kidding me? You know, so what, what all does go into effect? So the National Guard is going to come in and instead of helping with relief efforts, they're going to start disarming people. And so to me, that just doesn't need to go in there. That causes more trouble than, than not. Um, I start getting reminded of the things that happened in Katrina and people lost so many firearms and never got them back, you know, uh, things that were not registered, things that, you know, firearms that were passed down from, you know, from a grandfather to, to son to, to grandson throughout the years. And because, you know, it was like a family firearm, family heirloom type thing, it wasn't registered, it wasn't a new firearm. And uh, those type of weapons went, went missing. They were never found uh, again. So, uh, you know, that just kind of throws, throws it up in there. The why even deal with that? So uh, you, have that, uh, you have that going on, and I'm sure people are going to be talking about that uh, as well. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the first article. I think it's, uh, it's relevant. And uh, it, talking about it was coming to us from Food Storage Moms. And it's relevant because it's talking about evacuation plans and how to be prepared to leave your home. Now, remember, we have, you know, we've had the issue, the issue in on the, the Texas, Louisiana coast, Gulf Coast uh, with uh, Harvey. Uh, we have Irma barreling down uh, and, and we don't know exactly where Irma is going to wind up. But we have fires going on in California. We have fires in Montana. There's always, you know, there's, there's things going on. And so you never know. I mean, right now. If you're in a part of the country where things are, are good, you know, oh, oh Idaho is, has the, the, the earthquake swarms, right? And so you have that going on as well. And so if you needed to leave, um, you know, would you, would you be able to just pick up and go and would you have everything that you needed? And so here's some ideas from Linda over at Food Storage Moms. Um, let's go ahead and read this one. Today, let's talk about an evacuation plan to have in place if you are asked to leave your home, neighborhood, or community. We've seen the recent news on Hurricane Harvey, the worst storm and devastation in American history, according to the news reporters. I've heard it's been called a 500-year storm. Actually, I'm going to interject there. It's been called a 500-year storm, it's been called an 800-year storm, and it's been called a 1,000-year storm. All right, so uh, here in southern Utah, we had what they call a 100-year storm a few years ago. I thought at the time it was devastating and it, and it really was for so many families. I don't want to compare storms. We have had so many that it seems they are getting stronger and stronger. Of course, we now have more television stations to report and social media brings the pictures of chaos into our lives through our computers and iPhones. Here's the deal. I read the book Five Days at Memorial. It's a book written about the Memorial Hospital in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. I have read the book three times. You may want to as well. A reader recommended the book to me and I will forever be grateful for the suggestion. I have read the book one second after. It was an okay read, but the book dragged out. And the only thing that came out of the read was that cars older than a certain year would be the only ones that would work since they don't have computers to get damaged. You would still need to have gas in them to run, and many don't always keep our gas tanks full. I already knew that about cars, computers, and I also was aware that pharmacies, grocery stores, and other retail outlets will empty quickly. Not the best read, in my opinion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to uh, digress just a little bit here, and I, I loved Lights Out. 
uh, but it was one of those you know books that you know kind of intrigued me and uh, kind of sucked me in. I have not written or read the uh, the newer ones, uh, I, so I, I do want to go take a look at those. I've been I have those on my list, and I just haven't had a chance to do it. All right. Then I was interviewed for the Ted Koppel book, Lights Out. Now, that is a book everyone in America should read. Our country is so unprepared to replace the infrastructure of our power grids. It's appalling to me. He interviewed people working for the government and retired people who had worked with all aspects of our failing, falling apart infrastructure. His team interviewed more people than are in the know than any book I am aware of that has been printed on the subject. And, of course, Ted Koppel is a very respected re- reporter and speaker. Now, first of all, you have you may or may not have a choice to evacuate. You may be required to leave by the local government entity, so we must have an evacuation plan if our home and surrounding areas are deemed a dangerous situation. Now, certain situations will make the decision for you, like severe flooding, a nearby hurricane, tornado, and or an earthquake. Here are my suggestions. Register your phones with reverse 911. I live in Washington County, Utah, so I would Google Washington County, Utah, reverse 911 and click on the first link that comes up on the computer. This will let you know if there is imminent danger coming to your neighborhood via an emergency notification system. Make an emergency contact card. Everyone in your family should have a contact card to carry on their person or in their backpack. This contact contact card will have all names, phone numbers, and addresses to get in touch with family members or friends in case of emergencies. Please laminate if possible. Next, emergency ice and phones. Make sure all family members have an emergency contact person under the initials ice. This comes, I'm sorry, this gives emergency responders, etc., who to know to contact if you are unable to communicate. ICE stands for in case of emergency. Hey, let me just stop right there. Uh, you know, the phones have been such a, uh, you know, a lot of people poo-poo the technology like, hey, you know, when you're, when you're in a disaster situation, technology is not going to be, you know, available. Don't count on it. And, yeah, you don't count on it. Uh, you definitely, it can't be your end-all, be-all. But it has proved to be very, very helpful in getting information out uh, with Hurricane Harvey. I mean, people were... Um, you know, people are not only during the storm what was going on. They might have lost power, but they still had their phones, and so they're able to let people know what's going on. They're, they're able to let people know if they're okay. Uh, they're able to communicate, and then you have the the aspect of people were out there helping, like, hey, we need help over here, and people were, you know, were able to assemble and to mobilize quickly because of all that information out there. And so there's there's a lot of things, you know, when you talk about registering. Uh, you're, you're, I'm sorry, having like emergency contacts and stuff. Uh, you definitely want to have like a hard copy, but you can also have uh, a copy of that maybe in some kind of file on your phone uh, that might work. And so, uh, you know, there's just there's just a lot to it. So our phones are very, very powerful. Yes, uh, they run out of power. Yes, you should have backup, uh, battery backups and chargers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, if... if uh, you know, if the if the grid doesn't go down all over the United States, if we're not in an EMP, uh, you know, for whatever reason, your phone is a powerful, powerful tool. Tool. So uh, just just kind of remember that. Uh, city maps. Purchase some maps of your city and surrounding areas. This map can be used to show family members 
where to meet if a disaster happens without notice. Remember, we may not all be home together when an unforeseen emergency strikes. One family member may be driving a carpool, another at work, or another at the grocery store. Talk openly with each family member where to meet. Talk about plan A, plan B, and make a plan C. Hopefully, all family members will be united quickly. It's critical you discuss and plan your own evacuation plan. Um, with that, with this, maybe the city maps, maybe you, you print off something from Google Maps or, or uh, some kind of mapping software. Uh, maybe you do have maps for everyone and you place them in everyone's car. Uh, but I would uh, jot down those plans. You know, what is plan A? What is plan B? What is plan C? Because sometimes people will forget. I mean, you can talk. You can sit down at the table. You can talk it all out and put it in your head. And if you're you're the, the one who is the most preparedness-minded, you might be, you know, that might be very, very important to you. But there might be people in your family who's like, okay, what was plan A? What was plan B again? So you might want to go ahead and have those written down. And, uh, and like plan A is to meet here. Uh, this specifically and if you know you wait for if you haven't heard anything from this amount of time to this amount of time then go to plan b and you know and so uh or you know go to go to the the next uh the next uh possibility or where we might meet or whatever so it, it would be good to have it written down all right continuing on edc bags Put together an EDC and everyday carry bag. This bag is different than a 72-hour kit. Here is a link to my post on my EDC bag. Gas tanks. Please keep your cars at least three-fourths full. I used to suggest half full, but I'm seeing more and more evacuations in the country, so we need to be ready at all times. I will not be in line to purchase gas. I can guarantee you that for sure. I only have one car, so that should be feasible. Emergency binder. Be prepared to grab and go with your emergency binder at a moment's notice. You can relax knowing you have all the critical doc documents you need with you when you must evacuate. Please have small bills in your possession. If we lose power, the ATMs may not work. The banks will be closed if they lose power. This binder content will load and show up on the bottom left side of your computer. So, um, Linda does have a really uh, cool binder download. And so, um, you might want to go ahead and and download that, and uh, we did we I included that. She allowed us to include that in uh, the prepper uh, the pre the preparedness review that we did years ago. Uh, you can still find that on prepper website, but uh, this one is the uh, this is her emergency binder download, and so you download it, you print it out, and you can go ahead and gives you all the the slots and all the sheets and all the the things that you need to be able to make your emergency binder if you don't have one. Uh, post a document. Please post a document on the back door, the front door, or whatever to remind you to grab the items you do not want to leave behind. Keep in mind your house may not withstand a disaster, so just write down items on a paper that are extremely special to you. You may or may not have time to grab them. Have a family meeting and talk about and practice an evacuation plan with items needed to grab and go. These items could be water, food, 72-hour kits, emergency binder, prescriptions, dog food, etc., uh, or, I'm sorry, extra clothing, shoes, etc. School evacuations. Please check to see what your local schools do in case of an unforeseen emergency or disaster. Ask the school who your children can be released to in case of an emergency. You may need to add additional names to the cards on file at the school your child attends. Evacuation centers. Please check with your local city and or county emergency centers to see what plans they have for people who may have to be evacuated. Do they have different locations, supplies, etc.? Keep in mind the government cannot take care of everyone. We need to have at least three to seven days worth of food and water at the very least for our families. 
the neighborhood. I know I have talked a few times about meeting your neighbors. Please introduce yourself if you go for walks. If you feel so inclined, I would have a meeting or a barbecue maybe with those neighbors you feel comfortable talking about disasters before they hit and how you can help one another. Please remember those elderly neighbors and disabled people on your street in your evacuation plan. So I think that's important, especially now. Like in a, in a, now is the time that you can do that, right? You can do it so easily. You see a neighbor outside, and you can go over and like, man, have you have you been seeing the reports about Harvey in Houston? Or hey, what do you think was going to happen with Irma? And you can start a conversation. You can at least fill out, feel out where this person is and you know what their ideas are if they're like ah oh, yeah these guys deserve it blah 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 you know and like you know i'm not giving them any you know you know i you, you you can get an idea and a feel for what type of person it might be if you haven't met your neighbors yet but please take into consideration your elderly neighbors and they might be needing help uh you know help like you you you, you might not realize and so uh please take them into account all right, the uh, last thing here is pets. Don't forget our pet needs. We need water and food for them as well. Making a bag if possible with food and water, dishes, extra collars, leashes, harnesses, etc. Make sure you have a litter box with strong bags with, with kitty litter and baggies to use to pick up after all our pets. I'm sure those with larger animals have a hard time to protect their animals that can't be taken to shelters. Please have medical records of your pets because they may be required to enter some emergency locations. Here is my 72-hour uh, kit pet list that may help you as well. A reader suggested a crate for our beloved pets, a blanket, or their favorite toys. Ask your vet if a tranquilizer would be appropriate for, for your sweet animals. So uh, there's comments that you can go check out uh, there. But uh, the, pet, the pet situation, I think, is, is big. If you, you know, first of all, you have the response. If you have a pet, uh, you have that responsibility for that pet. So you know you need to take them. I, and I know that it gets crazy when you're in, evacu in evacuation mode and uh, people are, you know, waist deep in water and those kinds of things. But there were people who, I mean, there was a young boy who died because he went back to get his sister's cat uh, the next day and he was electrocuted in, in the water. You know, he got out and he was electrocuted. Uh, and died and she, did not have to happen if they would have just taken the cat with them ahead of time uh, I mean you don't want to put that on on you know on the the daughter or, or this this guy's sister but you know if you just take care of your pets right off the bat you know you will uh, you know you won't have to go back and, and worry about them because once you get out and you're out there and you're you feel safe you start having that guilt like oh my gosh I left fluffy you know in the in the in the house and so, you know, you want to go back there and you start, you know, you, you need to get back there and, and do that and probably put yourself in danger. Those of you who have animals that uh, can't, uh, you know, it's like can't go with you in your car, like you've got goats and horses and cows and, and different things like that. Um, you know, I talked about it yesterday. I saw a picture of uh, a horse that was in standing water and it was just this, like his skin was starting to get eaten off. Um, you know, be thinking about that ahead of time. You know, what would you do and how would you get these, these, your animals out? Um, the fact is, is that, you know, you can't, uh, with the situation like what happened here at Houston, uh, again, I've talked about this over and over again, places flooded that had never flooded before. So people probably, uh, that in the past thought is like, Hey, my animals are good. They're on high ground. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're flooding. And so, uh, you have that aspect as well, but, uh, you know, you should, 
if you have animals, you're responsible for those animals. You should take those into consideration. Should, are they more valuable than a human life? No. And I know people are going to get upset with me about that. Are they more uh, more valuable than a human life? No. But you have put yourself in a position where you are responsible for, you are taking care of that animal. You need to make sure that that's part of your uh, evacuation plan or bug out plan or whatever plan that you might have. All right. So uh, take that into consideration. All right, a good article over at foodstoragemoms.com. And uh, with all the craziness that's going on, uh, even more real that, uh, you know, evacuations are, might be a possibility in, in your preparedness plans. Our, uh, today is Wednesday. And the, on the Wednesday podcast, we try to have, if we do an interview, we try to do an interview uh, on, the, on the Wednesday podcast. And I do have one today. Uh, um, John Theo is an author and a YouTuber. He has a website over at johntheo.com. And, uh, you know, he's preparedness minded. And so it's always interesting to get people's ideas and, and where they're coming from, especially people who are writing and are uh, putting things out there. So uh, hopefully this will give you a little bit of insight maybe and uh, help you out and maybe even, uh, you know, get you to go check out his books. Uh, so this is John Theo uh, from, again, johntheo.com. He's an author and YouTube, uh, a YouTuber. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your preparedness. Please include why you started prepping. I like to use the term awake rather than prepared as preparing to most lay people seems to be dudes and bunkers on the Discovery Channel. To me, a prepper transcends beans, bullets, and band-aids. It involves spiritual preparedness, getting right with God, physical preparedness, getting healthy, the aforementioned BBB, as well as being aware of socioeconomic conditions, U.S. and world history, and the list goes on. For example, if I had never wandered into prepping, I would have never awoken to the dangers of fluoridated tap water, GMO foods, corruption in big pharma, the NWO, a push for a one-world government, and a myriad of other items that have nothing to do with beans, bullets, and band-aids. What are your main preparedness concerns? What are you prepping for? I acknowledge that we could have a solar flare or EMP or go to war with North Korea, but my primary concern is the 20 trillion in debt. It's immediate, it's immediate and could pop at any minute. So many people I know are either oblivious to this or think it's not a big deal because, quote, everyone else is in debt, end quote. Has your preparedness changed over the years and why? Yes, as I mentioned, I have evolved from the BBB, and that's beans, bullets, and band-aids, into skills and simply trying to get out of debt. I moved my family from the bustling northeast into the country and punched out of the rat race to buy a small business. I also see my business as a ministry as well. Times are going to get tough, and as I mentioned, people need to get right with God. Tell us about your book. What is it about, and why, do you why did you decide to write it? Currently, only two of my four published novels fall into the prepper genre, White Mountains, False Flag, and Mission Trip. White, White Mountains, False Flag follows a park ranger living in northern New Hampshire who uncovers a hidden cell bent on setting off a false flag on U.S. soil. Virtually the entire novel is pulled from news headlines from the past few years, from corrupt senators to government shutting down national parks to force the debt ceiling to be raised, to illegally spying on U.S. citizens, and ultimately a drone strike on U.S. soil. The false flag in the story is a powder keg any prepper on the east coast of the U.S. can relate to. 
White Mountain's false flag is one part Tom Clancy, one part James Rawls with a splash of romance, all set in the pristine mountains of New Hampshire. The protagonist lives in a log cabin and runs a Christmas tree farm with his wife part-time. The protagonist is also a homage to love of West, my love of home, my, and a homage to my love of westerns. His named Ransom Donovan. Maybe your audiences can figure out which western that alludes to. Ransom carries a single-action Ruger Blackhawk and a lever-action rifle instead of the standard-issue firearm. Mission trip. This is a futuristic retelling of the Pilgrim story. It takes place in the year 2077 where Christians have fled the despotic U.S. to live a high-tech underwater city called Atoll. The world is now a dystopian landscape ravaged by economic collapse, nuclear war, and famine. The residents of this underwater city are hunted by the world government. They hate the freedom afforded the Atoll residents and want access to their advanced technology. The protagonist, Landon Faison, is a military officer who tries to stop his scientist son from going on a mission trip back into the world above the sea. Landon carries the physical scars of the last mission trip, which left him with a robotic lower leg and the emotional scars of being widowed. What feedback have you received from your book that is the most surprising to you? I get the normal feedback of good plot, character, etc. Ironically, the most consistent compliment is that there is no foul language and my stories are clean. It shows there is still a huge demand for clean stories in today's market. You can still have action, tension, and even violence set in a clean story. What part of your book would you like to make sure that readers pay careful attention to? The theme of the novels are important. White Mountain's false flag addresses the corruption of the current world, and Mission Trip shows a world that is, a very, is very realistic if we don't wake up. Could you paste in a paragraph from your book that gives a good feel for what readers will experience? Here's an excerpt from White Mountain's false flag. I think we're going to have to call it. Suddenly, J.D. shouted, look at 2 o'clock. He briefly let go of the helicopter's collective and pointed towards a very small space between some trees about a mile away and directed the helicopter over to it. Ransom could see a small patch of bright green surrounded by what looked like a shifting mass of brown. That's definitely something, Ransom said, lifting his binoculars up. As they approached the area, the brown shape came into focus. There was a large bear hovering over a male hiker's body. The bear looked up at the helicopter, revealing a human body with a shredded green jacket lying under it. When the bear moved, Ransom could see that the hiker was dead and had been partially eaten. Bile rose up in his throat, and he looked away. What else would you want preppers to know about your book? The novels, especially White Mountains, are very gear-heavy, but unlike most prepper fiction, they do not teach about prepping skills. It is straight fiction. Tell us about your website, podcast, or YouTube channel. What is your main focus? I run a YouTube channel under my name, John Theo, where I cover everything from prepping to religion, politics, and the craft of writing. All my novels are available where all ebooks are sold. Some are also available in audiobook. You can also log on www.johntheo.com. Do you have any upcoming projects that listeners might be interested in? The sequel to Mission Trip will be released later this year. Look for Mission Trip Genesis and Exodus out in late 2017 from Clean Reads Press. In the sequel, I finish the story arc from Mission Trip, but also tell the prequel backstory of how the world actually collapsed and how only a few global elites run everything. In Mission Trip, Genesis and Exodus, a vile globalist finds redemption and saves hundreds of thousands of Christian refugees. 
What would you like to say to the Prepper Website Podcast listeners? Number one, if you get into prepping, you must never do it out of fear. The Bible says over and over not to be afraid. If, you, if you're simply watching the world and paying attention to the mess it's in and tacking left or right, that's fine. But prepping from a place of fear is not a good place to work from. And two, Trump is not Jesus. If you think he's going to fix everything, you need to reevaluate the world. I think at best he will buy us some time. So where can people find you? All my books are available where all ebooks are sold as well as johntheo.com. My, my YouTube channel is under John Theo, and I'm also on Facebook under my name and my book and my book names. All right, so there you go. Uh, maybe some, some of you are interested in going to check out uh, some of John's uh, books and definitely his YouTube channel. Uh, I will link to his website, johntheo.com, and uh, you can go over there, and then there's links to all his uh, to social media and uh, his books and everything if you, uh, you want to go check all that out. So thanks, John, for being a part of the podcast. Our next article, I think, is uh, one of those, again, it's going to be one of those where you want to print print it off. Um, I think this is very important. I think as medicine becomes more and more expensive and things become uh, harder and harder to find, and then especially if we go through a situation where we are in a collapse situation, where, where you know, we, you can't get modern-day medicine and, you know, what are you going to do about that? Um, you want to have a means to help as much as possible. And so uh, using medicinal herbs uh, and, and making teas, uh, I think that's going to be very, very important. And having that knowledge is going to be very, very valuable. Uh, so uh, not only do you have the understanding of of uh, you know what herb does what and how that helps, but then you also have the uh, the 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 skill of identifying these various herbs and being able to to find them uh, if you're not growing them. And so I think growing them would be uh, be important. So I'm going to read this article and come back and just say a few things about it. This is over uh, my good friends doomandbloom.net keeping keeping them in my prayers where, as well as uh, Mark Goodwin because uh, they're in Florida. And so uh, I know that there's other preppers out there and people who own websites. I just, I'm not, I, I just don't know exactly, you know, where you are, you know, in, in, in the whole, uh, the whole United States. But I know uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy and, and Mark, they're over in Florida. So definitely keeping our prayers uh, for you guys and uh, the whole, everybody else uh, that's affected by the storm. But uh, this article comes to us from doomandbloom.net, and it's entitled Herbal Teas from Medicinal Gardens. In long-term disaster settings, even prepared medics may end up using their entire supply of commercially made medicines. As such, caregivers should consider the medicinal benefits of the plants in their own backyard as additional tools in the, me in the medical woodshed. Due to, due to their longevity, essential oils are probably some of the best natural products the medic can stockpile. Producing them, however, requires knowledge, experience, and equipment. In addition, you'll need a lot of plant material. It takes 250 pounds of lavender flour to make one kilogram of essential oil, and that's if you have the right variety, soil conditions, weather conditions, and other factors in place. In the long haul, a more realistic option for sustainable herbal medicines is using fresh or dried plant materials and teas. These require little more than a garden and some knowledge regarding each herb, the parts of the plants used, and the medicinal effect. It should be noted that the term tea is incorrect. 
The word actually refers to various drinks made from the leaves of one species, Camilla sinensis. Indeed, green, black, white, and oolong teas are made from the same plant. Only the processing differs. The proper term for a drink made by steeping herbs in hot water would be an herbal infusion or tisane. For simplicity's sake, though, we'll call them teas. Standard teas from Camellia sinensis, like green, black, white, and oolong, are high in antioxidants with many health benefits ascribed to them. These include heart disease, type 2 diabetes, liver dysfunction, and more. Making teas. Making teas is one of the simplest ways to prepare medicinal herbs. If you can boil water, you can brew tea. You just bring some water to a rolling boil in a pot or other container. Crush leaves, flowers, and or roots depending on the plant. Pour the boiled water over one teaspoon of herbs and let steep for about 5 or 10 minutes. Keep a cover on while steeping. Place a strainer over a cup and pour. Alternatively, use a tea bag or bob and use honey or lemon to add flavor if desired. A tea doesn't always have to be ingested to be of benefit. Some may be used as an eye wash, an irrigation solution for wounds, or in cold or warm compresses. There are many herbs that can be made into a tea. Although some of the information below lacks hard scientific data, these teas were used by your ancestors for their medicinal benefits. So I'm going to read. There's a long list of uh, herbs here. And as I'm going through them, think about which ones you might be like, okay, you know what? Uh, you know, I have a family member who is, you know, always getting sick from that, or I have a family member that might that might be useful for. And so, you want to kind of make a mental note, and you definitely want to go back to this article and uh, and, and print it out and check it out. Uh, and uh, but as as I'm going through this, kind of make a mental note because you're not you're probably not going to have all these uh, all these herbs. But there might be a, a nice handful, maybe five to seven, that you that you really want to focus on and you want to keep. And and uh, you might even realize that some herbs that you have, you didn't realize that they had medicinal value. So let's go ahead and read these. Alfalfa. The seeds and leaves contain vitamin A, C, E, and K, as well as calcium, phosphorus, iron, and potassium. It has been used as a diuretic to help urine flow and for upset stomachs. There are claims that it helps arthritis pain and may lower cholesterol. Use 1 to 2 teaspoons of dried leaves steeped in 1 cup of boiling water for 10 to 20 minutes. Burdock. The dried root has been used in teas to help clear acne and to treat psoriasis. Use 2 tablespoons of fresh grated root or 1 tablespoon of well dried root in 3 cups of boiling water. Catnip. Leaves and flowers are used to treat intestinal cramping, indigestion, diarrhea and other stomach ailments. Also thought to treat respiratory infections like the common cold. A substance in catnip called neptatelcatone is thought to produce a mild sedative effect. Use one teaspoon of dried leaves or one tablespoon of fresh leaves per cup. Chamomile. A favorite tea of many, it contains the amino acid tryptophan, which gives it a sedative and relaxing effect. As such, it may help treat anxiety and insomnia. Antioxidants in chamomile may help slow down progression of visual, kidney, and nerve damage in diabetics. Use 2-3 to three teaspoons of dried flowers per cup. Chicory. When supplies of coffee ran out, soldiers in the Civil War used the root of this common plant as a substitute. It lacks caffeine, though, and has more of a sedative than stimulant effect in large amounts. Chicory root has an effect against intestinal worms and has been shown in animal studies to improve calcium absorption and bone mineral density. 
Scrape the bark off the root before drying. Use one teaspoon to one cup of water. Tea made from leaves has a laxative effect. Dandelion. You may be surprised to know that the common dandelion contains vitamins and minerals. Indeed, it's thought to have more beta-carotene than a similar serving of carrots. Young flowers and leaves make a good tea for constipation. Steep for 20 minutes. Roasting the roots produces a coffee-like drink. Use two teaspoons dried chopped root in one cup of water. Echinacea. Well known to decrease the duration of colds and flus, echinacea boosts the immune system and may have some antiviral activity. Steep one to two teaspoons of leaf, flour, or half a teaspoon of root to one cup of boiling water. Elder. Elderberry flowers make a tea that is used for many upper respiratory infections such as sinitis, colds, flus, and laryngitis. Applied in a compress, the tea may be helpful for wound healing and some skin conditions. The blue or purple berries are high in antioxidants and may be made into a juice or syrup. Put two pounds of elderberries in four cups of water and bring to a boil. Then simmer for half hour. Use a fine mesh strainer to press out the juices. Sugar may be added under medium heat to make a syrup. Eucalyptus. Tea made from eucalyptus leaves offers relief from asthma as well as respiratory infections, mostly by opening airways and loosening thick mucus. It may have antibacterial and antiviral effects. Steep half a teaspoon of dried or fresh leaves in one to two cups of water. Ginger. The underground stems or rhizomes of ginger are used to treat nausea of all types from morning sickness to motion sickness. Slice one inch of the rhizome into a small piece and simmer in two cups of water on low heat for 15 minutes. Then strain one-fourth to a half teaspoon of ginger powder is another option. Ginseng. Both Asian and American ginseng root can be made into herbal teas that are thought to lower blood sugar levels, a useful benefit for those with diabetes. Simmer 3 to 6 teaspoons of the root for 45 minutes in 3 or 4 cups of water, then strain. Lavender. Used in aromatherapy, lavender may improve nausea and other digestive symptoms when drunk as a tea. It's thought to decrease migraine headaches and possibly limit convulsions and muscle spasms. Use one tablespoon of dried herb in one cup of water. Lemon balm. An herb with antiviral effects, it's a member of the mint family. A tea made from lemon balm leaves and flowers was used in the past to treat mouth, throat, and dental infections like gingivitis and herpes sores. Also thought to decrease anxiety and aid sleep. Lemon balm may help improve intestinal spasm and nausea. One teaspoon of dried herb or five to six fresh leaves to one cup of boiling water makes a fine tea. Licorice. Better known as an ingredient in candy, its coating properties may help with sore throats, coughs, and heartburn. Licorice can, however, raise blood pressure and should be avoided during pregnancy. Add one to two teaspoons of chopped root to two cups of boiling water to make a decoction. Drink half cup at a time. Passion flower. Tea made from passion flower has a beneficial effect on anxiety and may serve as a sleep aid if taken regularly. Boil one to two teaspoons of herb. Avoid the root in two cups of water for five to ten minutes. Peppermint. A long-standing herbal remedy, tea made from peppermint, calms the stomach and helps irritable bowel syndrome, but can worsen heartburn. The tea helps thin respiratory mucus and relieves nasal congestion. Put one teaspoon of dried herb or six to eight fresh leaves over one cup of boiling water. Rose. Rose hips make a tea with vitamin C as well as calcium, selenium, zinc, mint, menjansis, and others.
It boosts the immune system and is thought to be beneficial for the adrenal gland, responsible for the stress hormone cortisol. Boil one teaspoon of dried rose hips in water and steep for 20 minutes. Sage. Sage leaf tea is a time-honored remedy for sore throats as well as the common cold as a tea or gargle. It may help aid digestion and decrease cramping and may even improve memory. Steep one teaspoon of dried leaves in one cup of water. Stinging nettle. Stinging nettle root is thought to have benefits as a diuretic to improve urine flow, even in those with enlarged prostates. The leaves may decrease the pain of arthritis in joints. Use one teaspoon dried leaves in one cup boiling water or boil five grams of dried root in two cups of water for five to ten minutes. St. John's wort. One of the few herbs that has known activity against minor depression, leading it to be called herbal Prozac. Beware of interactions with prescription drugs, however. Pour, pour one cup of boiling water over one teaspoon herb. Thyme. Teas made from thyme will loosen thick phlegm and may help coughs. It's known to inhibit bacteria, viruses, and fungi, including many that cause respiratory infections. Steep one to two teaspoons of fresh or dried leaves in one cup of water. Turmeric. This herb contains cursamen, an anti-inflammatory compound that may treat Crohn's disease and other digestive tract issues. As well, it may help beneficial effects on joint pain due to rheumatoid arthritis and other disorders. Valerian. This dried root of this plant, the dried root of this plant has been utilized for centuries to deal with anxiety and insomnia. It may even decrease the frequency of seizures in patients with epilepsy. Its mild sedative effect ease pain and promotes sleep. Avoid alcohol or sedative drugs. Willow bark. This green underbark of willow tree contains silicin, the original ingredient used to produce aspirin in the late 19th century. It is especially useful for muscle aches and joint pain. Simmer one teaspoon of bark in one cup of water for 10 minutes. There is much research to be done to scientifically confirm all of the effects of these plants, and there may be other benefits not mentioned or yet discovered. As well, many other plants have medicinal effects other than the ones in the list above. You may know of some yourself. The herbs above, however, are easily made into teas that can be produced even while on the move. In any case, learning the use of natural substances for their medicinal benefits will make the off-grid medic, medic an effective provider when, the, when in the most remote settings. So, um, what I, again, what I wanted to say, a lot of great, uh, I, I, this is a great list. You know, one of the, uh, the better lists that I've seen in, in, in a long time as far as, you know, a lot of the times you'll see an article where there's one or two things in there, maybe three. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. So again, uh, hopefully as you were going through that is like, man, you know what? Oh, we have respiratory issues. We have phlegm. We have, you know, I, we get nausea. We have, uh, you know, issues with, uh, you know, with urine flow. We have, you know, whatever it might be, there, there's, you know, might be an herb that you, to, you know, a handful that you might want to start working with and uh, get in some big pots and start, uh, start using them. Um, you can also find all of this information and a lot more like on the use of essential oils in their book. I'm always talking about, uh, you know, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's book. If you get one book, if you only buy one preparedness book, it is the Survival Medicine Handbook. You need to get that book because they approach they approach medicine and and uh, uh, you know in, in a survival situation where there is not 
uh, the possibility of going to a hospital or getting you know someone uh, a rescue helicopter or someone to come out. Um, a lot of the times, the books that you're like that you read are let's get get the the patient stabilized and then get them to uh, to civilization, right? Get them to to uh, somebody who is a professional that can care for them. Their book looks at it from the point of view is that that's not available, and so I think it's it's very uh, useful. And again, they have uh, they they've updated it. They've updated it a couple of times. And uh, they have medicinal herbs in there as well as uh, essential oil use. And I think it's very, very uh, useful and you should have it. So uh, hopefully you'll, you'll look into that one. I think it's a very well worth uh, purchase on that. And so I'll link to that book on Amazon so you can pick that up. Um, I'm also going to link to Spark Natural Essential Oils. Um, I am an affiliate for them and uh, I get all my essential oils there. They've got great, uh, great deals great quality uh, essential oil it's the you know it ranks up there with with the best and so uh, if you're looking for some essential oils for whatever reason uh, definitely you know some tea tree oil some lavender peppermint uh, you know there, there's always some uh, some good ones there to look into and then uh, bouncing off of uh, Dr. Bones and Amy's book uh, it'll give you a lot of ideas for that as well hey I'm also going to link to the back to back to the basics free living summit I uh, remember it's a free uh, it's a free webinar presentation with so many different presenters and you can uh, you just register on the page and they send you the link and the information so that you can uh, go and, and check out the presenters that you want. Uh, go to the page and just scroll down and look at all the presenters and all the topics that are there. Uh, you probably you're not going to sit for hours and want to watch every everybody. But there's going to be some that you definitely don't want to miss. So I'll be linking to that uh, as well in the show notes. All right. So again, if uh, if you have the opportunity, I'd love to uh, have uh, have you review us on iTunes. Um, you know, there's other uh, podcast networks as well, like Stitcher and uh, other ones that you can review us. But you know, iTunes seems to be the biggest one, and they uh, you know get a lot of a lot of traffic from there. And, uh, you know, the reviews there go a long way to help us uh, with the algorithms to, to, to move us up into the rankings so people find the Prepper Website podcast a little bit more easy, easily. And so if you do the, the reviews out there, uh, I really do appreciate that. Um, whatever, you know, whatever everyone's doing out there to, to get the message. And again, you can share us out. You can come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And uh, we have all the social media shares, and you can share us out on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, or that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even Pinterest if you want. Uh, just you know, through email, and of course, word of mouth is always helpful. If you get a chance, I'd love to he you know hear from you. Uh, any any feedback is great. Uh, you know, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to come check out uh, the email list and then also the Facebook group. Uh, you know, love that community over there. All right, so with that, let me, end, let me end like I end every single podcast. Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.